you're good with standing. If for some reason you feel a little shaky or for whatever reason, please feel free to sit when you need to, but otherwise we'll stand together and worship. So many reasons Too many to count To say that I love you To worship you
oceans rise, the soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours, and you are mine. Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be
There's honey in the rock.
Microphone's on. All right. All right, if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, um, we're going to look at verse 16 and 19 to, to start. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, there's some in the back of the chairs. If you'd like, you don't have to have one, but we're going to be in Hebrews um, 6, 19, 20, right this All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just lift up this time to you and, and just this study, and I just pray that you would um, just calm my heart, Father, and I just pray that you would speak um, just through me, Father, but empty me of myself. I don't want anything of myself, um, just but whatever you have for us today, Father, and lift up this time to you, lift up your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Let's read those. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope we have as an anchor. Um, an anchor, you know, it's a common figure for hope, and an anchor, it's not needed for calm seas. It's for rough weather. Um, the rougher the weather, the more important the anchor is. So, when we look at the anchor, we are to be anchored to something firm, but when an anchor is anchored to something, you can't see it. It's under the water. And an anchor keeps the ship from moving or drifting, and it keeps it from wrecking. Um, but the anchor itself, it may have a strong grip secured to a rock on the ocean floor or something that's um, secure and firm, but it also must be firmly attached to the ship or else the anchor is just going to get stuck at the bottom. So when we look at anchors and we look at... Um, us as we're in this world. When we're in this world, um, it's as a ship is to the sea. The temptations, the persecutions, the afflictions that we encounter in our walk with the Lord are the winds and the waves that threaten our shipwreck in our walks in our, with the Lord. And we need an anchor to keep us sure and steady. And I want you to keep this in mind as we continue. I'm going to change books here, but we're going to turn, if, if you would, with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to jump around a few times, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to read those. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Something I think that is not spoken of a lot, especially at events and things like that, it's very, um, I'm going to say fluff and stuff, but something that is not really talked about is spiritual warfare in our walks with the Lord, and that's what I'm going to share with you today about. But we do not war according to the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Strongholds, what is that? Strongholds are wrong thoughts, their perceptions, or contradictions um, to the true knowledge of God. And with Paul, even writing to the Ephesians, he said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual entities in high places. 
we walk in the flesh, but we do not war in the flesh. Our real battles are not physical. We have a lot of physical battles, yes, but they are very spiritual, spiritual for the believer. In Daniel chapter 10, uh, I'm not going to turn there, but in Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 21, it speaks of Daniel, um, and he was in prayer for 21 days. It was, it was a long time, prayer and fasting. And after the 21 days, the angel came to him and explained to him why um, it took so long for him to get a response. But um, the angel explained to him that he was dispatched from God um, when, he, when he prayed that prayer. But the, um, the prince of Persia, by the powers of darkness, um, held him there until Michael came and delivered him. And the warfare there that was going on hinder, hindered the answer to Daniel's prayer for 21 days. And I think for us, as we walk our walk with the Lord, we can sometimes be so unaware of spiritual warfare that goes on around us. Sometimes we don't um, even recognize it for what it is. And oftentimes we can start having emotions or feelings of um, just like, what's going on here? I don't understand um, why. And we can't pinpoint, uh, you know, anything specific of why we're feeling that way. Um, That can be depression. It can be anxiety. Um, just an overall despair, you know, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of that, we can become really easily discouraged, um, restless, and maybe just irritated with our, with our friends, and you don't have an explanation why, why that is. Um, it could even be fleshly thoughts, like a desire to f- fulfill the lust of our flesh, things like that as well. Um, Chuck Smith says, there is a battle over the souls of men being waged by the spirit of God and Satan and that desire to control the mind and soul of man. That is the enemy's desire just to control our minds. There is a conflict in this. There's God's spirit tugging, but also Satan holding, holding on as well. And it's a spiritual battle that we need to be aware of. We don't always recognize it as spiritual warfare. We can just think, oh, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I just, I'm not, I'm not in the best mood or I'm just not feeling it today. Sometimes that's true. We can wake up and just be like, oh, man, I'm really tired. But sometimes as well, it can just be that spiritual battle. The enemy is just trying to shoot these arrows at you and just cause a conflict. And if we don't recognize it, how can we stand against it? How can we resist that? The Bible tells us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Um, about five-ish years ago, um, I struggled for about six months or so with really bad anxiety and I'm going to say depression. And there were days where I wouldn't go more than an hour or two without having a panic attack and just crying. And it was something that I didn't understand. I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, I know some of you guys heard my testimony before when I was a kid. It was just a lot of anxiety for me. And I got to this point where I was like, I don't, why am I back to this place? And um, I would... I was homeschooling my kids at the time, and things were um, going like normal. I was, I was home with the kids. I would teach them. I would, you know, do the laundry, do dishes, things like that, until it became not normal for me anymore. And I would wake up just questioning life. What was, what was my purpose? You know, why was I here? Why was I feeling this way? And at this point, you know, I've been a Christian my whole adult life, and I was like, how could I be feeling this way? I'm literally here as a pastor's wife. Like, how, how could I feel like this? Why would I feel like this? Um, you know, you're, you're supposed to be a seasoned Christian. Why are you even having any doubts like that? Um, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd, I'd panic. I would be shaking. My palms would be sweaty. And there was no reason why. I didn't understand why. Um, you know, I would stand in my kitchen doing the dishes. Everything was fine. And then I would, I would freak out and panic 
and anytime just during the day it would it would happen like that and what would I panic about it could be anything it would I would just be like oh no that thing could fall or whatever and I would just panic um, you know I'd call Mike on the phone and in tears multiple times a day asking him to come home because I was just frozen in fear and panic and I would read my Bible I would pray um, constantly because I I just wanted this feeling to go away and if any of you have ever struggled with panic or anxiety you know I'm talking about where you just I just want this to go away and I would try and read my Bible but as I would read my Bible I'd have thoughts like and this this I struggle with but I would be reading my Bible and it would just I would have thoughts like this isn't even true why are you reading it and I'd be like oh no like this is my whole life what do you mean this isn't true like you know those thoughts in your mind and I would I would try to read and I'd try to pray and, and those thoughts would come and um, it would just be like, it's all a lie, just stop reading. I don't know why you're, why you're wasting your time. And, but I knew, I knew that was not true. I, there was times where I just wanted to give up. I didn't want to try anymore. I was just like, you know what, it's easier just to put my Bible away um, because then I don't have those thoughts. But that's not, that's not right either. But there was so much confusion. And the only thing that kept me from giving up or even giving in to those thoughts were, was n- knowing the word of God knowing that Jesus is my anchor, my hope. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. God's word cannot return void. No matter what you think or what what thoughts come into your mind while you're reading or while you're praying or even when you're not doing those things, um, his word will not return void. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. In those moments where I was like, this is confusing. The word of God says this, but I'm feeling like this. That's confusion. That's not from the Lord. And knowing the, knowing the scripture helped me hold on to knowing that this was the truth, no matter what thoughts were in my mind. And that was the only thing I knew in those moments that I could hold on to because it, it, God's word is steadfast. It is unchanging. And I knew his word was true, no matter what I was thinking in my mind. Um, in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As I was um, preparing for the study, I have a hard time doing, like, topical studies. I like to just, it's easier to teach through the word, just through the word instead of kind of jumping, jumping back and forth. But as I was um, studying, um, I was reading Chuck Smith's commentary, and he gave a really good example um, on how to battle spiritual uh, warfare and how to have spiritual victory. If you're a note taker, this is um, good notes because I, I wrote these down. But he says there are three R's to spiritual victory and the first one is to recognize. We must recognize when we're in a spiritual battle. The enemy is at work. He's attacking you. He's attacking me every day and we must see it for what it is. It's a spiritual attack. There is a battle in our minds every day, every day. It could be over the littlest things, but when we are in God's word, and we know his word, you can easily recognize when something is off. Um, I recently had surgery on my thumb, and I don't know what to say about that. It's, it's bothering me, but I always feel like as much as it bothers me, I know the Lord's going to use it for something, and he kind of spoke to me um, a little bit about this. But I recently had surgery on my thumb, and I had an MRI done, and I was like, man, this is just really a bummer. But you know, I looked at the images at MRI and I was like, I don't, I can't tell what that is. I don't even know if anything's wrong. But when I looked at them, they looked like random things to me. But to a radiologist, they can see 
if something is off? Why, why can they do that? Because they study and are constantly looking at things that should, that look right. The ligaments and the tendons, they know what they should look like. So when they looked at my MRI, I had to do two different ones. When they looked at them, it was evident that something was not right with my ligaments. And they could easily recognize it when it was off. And that's how we need to be in our walk with the Lord. We, can, we should be able to easily recognize when that's not from the Lord. Those thoughts I was having of the, the word is not true, I, immediately I was like, no, that's not true, because I know God's word is true. But when we can recognize the spiritual warfare, then we can move on to the next thing. First um, Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That is his goal. He wants to devour us. The next R is to resist. So first we must recognize. The second is that we need to resist. After we recognize we must resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's James 4, 7. But how? How can we resist? Paul shares with us in Ephesians chapter 6. If you wanted to turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. I'll read those. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of his age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. How can we resist? I know you guys know these verses. We all learn these, especially in like kids' class. All the kids know the armor of God. And I think sometimes we can overlook it, like, oh, yeah, this is just a, the kid's story. But it's so important that we follow these things. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. There was times in those, in the, that was five years ago where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get out of bed today. I'm going to do it. I'm going to not be depressed today. It's going to be fine. Did that ever work out? No, that never worked out for me. We must be strong in the Lord, not in our own strength, because we have no strength. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord in the power of his might, it says. Then you can put your armor on. If you have no strength and you put a bunch of armor on, you're just going to fall over. There's, if you have no strength, you can't even hold up the armor. Armor will do no, um, no one any good if they can't even have the strength to, to wear it. But God gives us, he gives the believer a full set of armor and sends us out into these battles with everything that we need. In verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And without the strength of God and the protection of that spiritual armor, it is impossible to stand against his attacks, um, these spiritual attacks. We start, I'm going to go over these, you guys are going to laugh, but the belt of truth, what is that? It's our foundation. It's God's truth. It is biblical beliefs. And if we have no foundation, we have nothing. The breastplate of righteousness, it is not our own righteousness. It is not earned by us. It is given to us. A righteousness received by faith from Jesus. The breastplate or the righteousness is our best defense against spiritual enemies. Then we look at the shoes, the protective shoes, this is a preparation of the gospel, a prepared foundation. Again, if we have no foundation, we have nothing. No soldier can fight without a good foundation. The gospel provides 
the footing for everything that we do, and we must be ready and prepared with, with God's truth. The shield of faith, the faith um, is represented by a shield, and it protects us from, like it said in, in those verses, the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those thoughts, that fear, the unbelief, the, the doubts that you have. David Guzik says, thoughts, feelings, imaginations, fears, and lies, all of these can be thrown at us by Satan as fiery darts, but faith turns them back. The helmet of salvation. Um, salvation is pictured as a helmet, and it protects a very essential part of your body. Uh, the helmet of salvation protects us from all kinds of things, discouragement, um, against the desire to give up. There's many moments where I think all of us have been like, you know what, I'm tired of this. Like, I can't anymore. Um, it just gives us hope, not only knowing that we are saved, um, but it is the assurance that God will triumph, and he, he has triumphed. And then we have the sword of the Spirit. That's the Word of God. We have the Word of God, and God's Word is alive, and we should be ready at all times with our sword, with, which is God's Word. We should be anchored in God's Word. So we've got recognize, we've got resist. What's that third R? The third R is to rejoice. We can rejoice in the victory of the Lord over the power of darkness. And I think it's easy for us to become discouraged. We can too many times just put our heads down and walk around feeling defeated and just let it and let it be like that and feel beaten down and feel down and, and just sit there and be like, you know what, this is just my life. I'm just going to be depressed. But when you rejoice in the Lord, the depression will go, the irritation will leave you, and you can be filled with joy. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must recognize, we must resist, and then we must rejoice. There is a battle, a spiritual battle, in our minds every day. There are so many times those five years ago where I didn't feel that the Lord was with me or near me or anything like that, but I had his word in my heart, and I knew that it was true. James 4.8 says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Psalms 46.10 says, he is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. And in those times, I knew I was in trouble. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. David Guzik says, we are not helpless victims or recipients of our thoughts. We can choose to stop our thoughts and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts of lust, thoughts of anger, thoughts of fear, thoughts of greed, bitter thoughts, evil thoughts. They are part of every thought that may be and must be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you turn back with me back to Hebrews, we're going to go through the second the second part, verse 20. I took my bookmarker out and I'm lost. All right, verses, well, I'm going to read it again. 1920. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hope is what the discouraged Christian needs. In the Old Testament, only the high priest was allowed to go within the veil once a year, and to go within the veil 
um, he was to enter into the presence of God. And when Jesus was crucified, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And through Jesus, he made a, a way for all men to enter into his presence. Through Jesus, we have access to the Father, and we are assured of this access into the presence of God because Jesus has entered as a forerunner. Jesus has entered into the immediate presence of God, the Father, so that his people can follow him there. A forerunner has, um, a forerunner goes before. They go before anybody else. And a forerunner has gone before knowing that others will follow. He entered for us. And we need to follow Jesus and run hard after him. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. Jesus is our anchor. He is our truth. Spurgeon says, Our anchor is like every other. When it is, when it is of any use, it is out of sight. When a man sees the anchor, it is doing nothing, unless it happen to be some small stream, anchor, or grapple in the shallow water. When the anchor is of use, it's gone. There it went overboard with a splash. Far down there, he says, among the fish lies the iron holdfast, quite out of sight. He says, where is your hope, brother? I'm going to say, where is your hope, sister? Do you believe because you can see? That's not believing at all. My questions for you today are, is your soul anchored in the word of God today and the promises of God to you? Like the anchor... Um, to the boat, is it secure? Is your soul anchored in the word of God today and the promises of God to you? Is that your place of refuge? Second Corinthians one twenty. for all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Those three R's, recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, resist the devil and he will flee from you and rejoice in God's promises. Be anchored in the word of God and his promises today. We have this sure hope that he will do what he says he will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and I thank you that you are our anchor and that we can just trust you, Father, and know that you will do what you said you will. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, up next, we're going to do our secret prayer sister thing. Kay's going to go up. Well, she just walked right there. But Kay's going to come up and share with us um, what all that involves. And then we will have a time of communion and worship, and then we will close in worship. So I will let Kay come up and share with us about the secret prayer sister. She's coming.
You can stand if you like, you can sit however you feel most comfortable worshiping. It's been such a blessing to be with each of you today. So thankful that we could all get together. Oh. 
Turn his face toward you. 